Thank you. It's lovely to be here again. I think last year I was here on Remembrance Sunday, if I remember correctly. Um, but it's great to see you all. Lovely full church. Um, I'm going to be speaking on the uh, Ephesians 2, 11 to 13 passages. So if you've got your Bibles, um, those you have, we're going to start there. Now basically what St. Paul is saying is there is that we were outsiders. That basically, you know, the um, new Christians were outsiders. And of course we're outsiders until we're born again into God's family into his royal family. We start to belong the minute we ask Christ to come and live inside us. However, we also need, as well as that, to understand we've been adopted, chosen, premeditated, planned by God. Every one of you is part of God's plan. Every one of us is here because we've got a destiny. Now, you can't be adopted by mistake. Your parents may have um, sort of got, you may have been the consequence of a surprise or even a mistake. However, you cannot be adopted by mistake. It takes a lot of um, planning, a lot of paperwork, and God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit planned to adopt you before the foundation of the earth. Um, So there we are, adopted. Now, in Jesus' time, in the marketplace, when a um, child came of age, somewhere between 13 and 15, if it was a family business, either a family farm or family business, um, the head of the household, the father, would take the child to the marketplace and say, this is my beloved child, in whom I'm well pleased. Exactly those words that were said to Jesus at his baptism. And what that meant in that culture was, this boy or this girl, but normally boys then, but we're going to include girls now, um, have been adopted into the family business. They are now part of the family business. Now, to be part of a family business... Um, normally, if your dad's the boss of a company, you'd probably start going there on a Saturday morning when you're about two or three years old, or holding his hand, just knowing you were with daddy. Then um, you may get a holiday job there, or a Saturday job there. Then as you grew up a bit more, you'd be an intern or an apprentice. Then you'd become a manager. And then finally, you join the boardroom, be one of the directors, which is what God wants for every one of us in his kingdom. We're all co-workers. We grow up to be mature sons and daughters, joining that family business, co-workers, adult children of the king, with knowledge and with authority. That's part of what God intends for us. We were outsiders, now we're in, but he doesn't want us just scraping in. He doesn't want us staying on the edge. He wants us to know that we're beloved and therefore have authority. Now at the end of Ephesians 1, which we didn't read this morning, 
it says that God has put all things under the authority of Christ. And he gave him this authority for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body, which is filled by Christ, who fills everything everywhere with his presence. The message puts this, this verse very succinctly. It says, the church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. It's really important to understand this. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Now, you may read in about the church declining in this country or whatever. Whatever, we have to know, have the knowledge that we're not little barricaded Christians. Christ, God, is the centre. Christ loves centre of the world, pulsating love and life from that centre. <coughs> a royal palace centre. And there's this invisible royal palace. Um, and when, the more I thought about this once, the more I thought, yes, God is the centre of everything. There's this pulsating heart, this palace. I thought, why aren't everyone queuing up for their adoption papers? Why isn't everyone queuing up to join? And God said to me while I was thinking about it, it's because it's invisible. You cannot see it other than with the eyes and ears of your heart. And maybe, I thought, we don't always reflect this well. Um, we don't always reflect a come on in from the outside. And sometimes people come in, but they stay on the peripheral. Whilst we were praying earlier before this service, I felt God saying to you that some of you are really gifted with honouring others. And this is a gift. It's a gift to be able to honour people that are different from you. God celebrates our uniqueness. When he adopted us, he didn't adopt us into an army whereby he wanted us all the same. He didn't adopt us in and take our names away and give us a number. He adopted us in in order for us to grow in our uniqueness. And I think part of the gifting of welcoming an outsider's or welcoming in people that are on the edges is to know how to honour people's uniqueness. And God said to me, some of you here are really gifted with that. And you need to just be encouraged by that word that you, God is saying to you, you're people who know how to honour. You're people who know how to honour. Um, of course, what was happening at the time of when St Paul wrote this was, that the Jews were very proud of their circumcision. But it only affected their bodies and not their hearts. And of course, we know that Christianity is an inside-out religion. You can't make the outward journey unless you make the inward journey. It's very easy to um, belong and learn how to comply without allowing God to transform our hearts. We can learn the language. We can find out when to stand up and sit down and all of that. But God wants to transform our, transform our hearts. Mark 23, verse 26 says, Woe to you, says Jesus speaking, Woe to you, blind Pharisees! First clean the inside of the cup, 
so its outside may be clean. And what what we are is who we are inwardly. Outward motives may keep the outside clean, but only if the heart and spirit are made new will there be a newness of life. But so often we're like the Pharisees, we present ourselves as more emotionally healthy, more morally upright than we really are. We present a good, full self. We present a Christian persona. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 says, The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Jeremiah 4.4 tells men to circumcise their hearts to remove the covering. Now, because we are both spiritual and physical beings, we need both physical and spiritual inheritance if we're to grow and flourish as Christians. And so, um, what, what, the circumcision was an outward sign of the covenant with God. That was what it was about. And it was also a sign of their inheritance as the family of God. Now, if our fathers were not Christians, we were not educated as children of the covenant. Outsiders. But if they were Christians but had a covered heart, we may have had been orphaned emotionally. So verse 12 in our reading from Ephesians 2 says, we can come into the kingdom knowing nothing of the rich history of God's covenant and promises. So there we are, we join, but we don't actually understand the fullness of the covenant, the fullness of the promises of God. In Corinthians, it says that all the promises, and I like to change the word promises to guarantees, because promises are like, you know, people can promise you something and you get let down. All the guarantees of God are a yes in Jesus. Everything that God has promised, everything that God promised, became a yes in Jesus. So, if we go back to our picture of joining the family business, we're actually given a debit card that enables you to access all the promises, all the guarantees of the riches of heaven. The bank of God. And it's got Jesus' name on the card. And that's part of our inheritance and it's part of our authority. It comes with authority, it comes with wisdom, because we need to use those riches wisely. But they're there for us. They're there on that card. And it goes on to say that we had been living in a world without God, and therefore a world without hope. Now hope is like promises, it's another misused word. You know, you say to someone something, they go, well I hope so. Meaning, maybe, but probably not. 
Whereas the word hope in the Bible is a very different word. It's actually um, another word of confident expectation. And it speaks, there's lots of pictures on hope. It speaks about being pregnant with hope. Now, if someone's um, four months pregnant, no, eight months pregnant, and you say to them, I see you're pregnant, they don't say, I hope so. They may have concerns about the birth, they may have concerns about the welfare of the child, but they know they're pregnant. And that's sort of what the word's like. And we can be a prisoner of hope. Now, being a prisoner of hope is where God has promised you something and all of the circumstances are such that it doesn't look likely. I had a word for um, a young man in the beginning of the year and God said, I will, give, I will give him breakthrough. I will prosper him. Now, this young man's circumstances have got slowly worse since the new year. But I'm a prisoner to that hope. I think, well, God said it to me. Um, there was no reason to say it to me. So I believe that this young man will have breakthrough and he will be prospered despite the circumstances at the moment. That is being a prisoner to hope. We just think, well, no. And we have that hope in us. The Bible talks about an anchor of hope. Now, the anchor of hope goes into the Holy of Holies. Now, the Holy of Holies is the throne room of God, and there's all the guarantees, all the promises of God all around the walls. We throw our anchor upwards. If we throw it down, we're always looking down. We put our anchor of hope into the Holy of Holies. That doesn't mean if you're in a little boat and you're in a turbulent time in your life and the sea's very rough and you've got your anchor firmly attached to the Holy of Holies, you might still get seasick your emotions might still play up. Doesn't mean you haven't put your anchor in the right place. Very often our bodies or our emotions take time to catch up with the truth. Which is why the Psalms sort of say, be still my soul. Still my soul. Because the psalmist has put his anchor in God, in that Holy of Holies, but the rest of him is still troubled. And we speak well to ourselves. Or, of course, the Bible talks about the doorway of hope. And that's our choice. We can walk through despair. We can walk through magical thinking. Both of which are a temptation when we need hope. Or we walk through that doorway of hope. Which means we walk through with humility. Only you can do it, God. Uh, but also with confidence that he's using us to do it. And we walk through hope like that. And so we become people with hope. And the church is the hope of the world. Um, and there's, there's only us. 
and Bill Hybels, who's the um, senior pastor at Willow Creek Church in Chicago. It's a very large church. And Bill Hybels is a brilliant communicator. And I heard this story at the, um, I think it's called the Global Leadership. Very posh names, a lot of the church events. I think it was Global Leadership um, teaching or something. Anyway, I heard Bill Hybels, and he told this story, and I just think it's fantastic. He tells the story of how he's at an airport, and there's this young boy who <coughs> looks very impoverished, very neglected, and he gets into a fight with another teenager. And Bill Hybels is sitting there, and he gets involved, and he's trying to pull off and protect this young, impoverished lad. Now, while he's doing this, his name is being called to get on the aeroplane. But he's really reluctant to leave the scene because um, he can see this kid's very vulnerable and he can see that this kid is likely to be the one in more trouble. In the end, the airport official manages to persuade Bill that, that he will look after this kid and encourages Bill to get on the plane. Once on the plane... Um, Bill gets out the in-flight entertainment menu looking for something to distract himself because he's still quite upset about it. But Holy Spirit says to him, I want you to keep thinking about that boy. And as he did, he realised that for this boy and for everyone that boy represented, the church is the only hope. And he goes on to talk more about the American scene, but it made me think, and I thought, well, actually the government can't do it. They can put good, just laws in place. They can attempt to bring equality, but they can't transform people's hearts. Teachers, education, can make an enormous difference, but it won't heal the hearts of children from broken homes. Social services, NHS, can't change lives and with diminished resources are less and less able to meet some of the most basic human needs. <laughs> so if we think about just one vulnerable teenager, there's nothing comparable to what the church can offer. We are, Jesus is, the only hope of the world. So, for all of us, despite disappointments, despite struggles, we really can have hope uniquely in ourselves and as the body of Christ. It says, Christ within, the hope of glory, which is all of us made up together, believers, the church, the body of Christ, and Jesus. So I want to um, have some time now for some prayer. You've got a team here as well. I've got some people with me. You've got a team here. And I'd like you to respond. Um, those of you who are thinking, I'm not sure I fully understand my adoption and my authority. Hasn't occurred to me I'm meant to be a director on the board. Or maybe you need some inside cleaning. Or, I think for lots of us, 
we do need that gift of hope, that seed of hope. We may have it in some areas, but in other areas we've stopped being a prisoner to something. We've given up and we think, oh, how long, oh Lord? And we need to come again and go, no, I need that hope. And so um, let's all stand and I'll just pray generally and then you can come forward for some specific prayer. Father God, I thank you that you know each one of our situations. You know each one of our giftings. You know each one of our weaknesses and our fears. And Father, thank you that you're wanting to bless those who are, have a gift of honouring others and encouraging others. But I pray now that you will speak to each one of us as to what we specifically need. And Father, we do pray for the, um, a reinvigorating or a reawakening and a regrowth of hope. Thank you, Father. Amen. So do you get the team up here normally? Okay. So here around the cross and at the back of the church and at the front. So prayer ministry, including here, side, wherever.